0: third shift presents the imposter's guide to gaming your quick fix for gaming news now here are your hosts eric and
1: matt what's up everybody welcome back to ig2g this is episode 51 which means we've been doing this for two full years almost yeah Uh Yeah, sweet so almost happy anniversary to us for ig2g but of course i am matt you heard him he's eric he's with me as well what are we talking about this week we're talking about Two of my favorite things, and two things that Eric loves. One of which should just go in the trash because it's his dead system. But whatever, he's got some last release that's coming out on it. who even knows.
0: You know, your garbage can of fire, Matt. Hate you.
1: That's right. <laughs> and then we got the hottest topic in the gaming world right now. Here for you on IG2G. Stick around, suckers. Number five. So first up this week, we got Ace Attorney Trilogy, dropping on the 9th of April for 30 bucks. developed and published by Capcom for PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. This game is three of my favorite games of all time, all put together, all HD graphically upgraded, which I'm going to get to in a second, but if you don't know, the Phoenix Wright Games... You should, because I love them. All the Ace Attorney games, love them all. Phoenix Wright, the first three are the best of the bunch, and this collects them all for you in one convenient package. And it's only 30 bucks. like I said. What is Phoenix Wright? What is it? You're a defense attorney. And Slash, you're also sort of a detective, because as the cases, well, okay, so cases, yes. You defend your clients in courtroom battles. It's really cool. It's really fun. It's really over-the-top, kind of goofy, kind of cheesy, but there are some very serious moments to it. Like It starts off light and fun and fluff, but by the end of the last case of that game, everything's come full circle. Everything's come all the way around, and it's way deeper and more intense and interesting than you thought it would have been from those very humble starts. So you get three games of that, and if that's not enough... When you're not in the trials, you're also investigating. So you go to the scenes of crimes, you investigate stuff. I mean, obviously the police are there, so you don't get everything. But you get to look around. You get to find clues that other people missed. You get to bring those up in the trials. You get to refute and object to witnesses' false statements and prove that you're right with the evidence. It's really cool. It's really fun. It's 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 just a ton of fun. If you've never played Ace Attorney games before, if you've never played the Phoenix Wright games especially, this is perfect. This is the perfect jumping-in spot. But I will say the one beef I have with this game is that HD upgrade. I hate it. It looks horrendous. And by that I don't mean that like the characters look bad, because they look great. They look smooth, they look shiny, they look like anime characters just stepped off of like, you know, a CG done up anime. And that's what I hate about it. It's too smooth. I played the Phoenix Wright games, these first three Phoenix Wright games, the Ace Attorney games, on my original DS, well, on my DS Lite, you know what I mean, where everyone was pixelated. Not like super bad, but you know, they were pixelated characters. And those rough edges add that charm to the game. The game is charming anyway. It's funny, it's charming, it's heartfelt, but something about those graphics added to that. And now everybody looks too slick and too shiny and too perfect. And I hate it. I can't stand it. I watched the trailer of it, like, oh, here it comes, Ace Attorney Trilogy, do-do-do-do, and I just went, oh, my God, that looks horrendous. I hate I can't stand it. I hate it. The games themselves are amazing. Just the presentation of it, I really don't like. And I got to say, the same thing goes to, like, the the menu system and, like, the dialogue options and stuff. The menus for that look like like a shiny iOS game. Like, not a... not like detailed and good but like I expect to see that from a phone game it doesn't look like Phoenix Wright to me It I just I can't do it so if you're a super diehard like me maybe you want to get it anyway just to buy more Ace Attorney but for me as someone who played it through those olden days it was not It's I can't I can't do it if you don't have that beef you don't have that problem like I do pick it up because Ace Attorney is awesome the whole series is great Like I said before, these three are the best of the bunch. I think the third game in the series is probably my favorite just because of a, just on an an emotional level, like all three games tie together, and the third game kind of like wraps up the trilogy super perfect at the end. So if you carry your memories of the first two games through, it's going to mean a lot to you. Won't go into spoilers, won't go into anything like that, but they're great games. I just don't like the presentation of this Ace Attorney Trilogy.
0: Number four. Near and dear to my heart, this is Borderlands Game of the Year Edition, which you can purchase as of right now on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, or PC. Now, mind you, everybody, first off, before I get going anywhere, if you don't know what Borderlands is, you're crazy, but I'll briefly, briefly explain because this sh- shouldn't be needed. It is a first-person shooter in which they incorporated RPG elements like leveling up, uh, damage on enemies, and then of course a skill tree system where you can upgrade your different skills and become like whoever, whatever kind of hero you want to be. You get different characters or classes to choose from. So a lot of really cool, unique ideas right there. And then on top of it all, they took, they stole a page from Diablo from the Blizzard series, in which all they got all these different loot drops, you know, the greens, the whites, the blues, the purples, the legendaries. And that, of course, drops off the baddies. You go after all these cool weapons and shields, etc., to make your character as amazing as possible and build ultimate builds to go have fun with. So as you can see, took a lot of different things in a lot of different places. It was crazy for its time when it came out. People fell in love with the cell shading and just the beautiful artwork and everything else, the characters, the wildness of it all. It became a game that's lived on to this day and is still played all over the place. So there you go, there's a brief, what is Borderlands for you? Now back to the whole Game of the Year edition. It is out, it is out now. It was published by 2K, developed by Gearbox, and of course Blind Squirrel did the remaster for it. And in this remaster, they went ahead and updated the graphics, so the cell shading's cleaner. They added in textures and little nuances here and there, which really bring it up to a very crisp, crisp, crisp picture. It looks gorgeous when you're playing it now, it just looks ten times better. But they also added some quality of life things, which, few being new legendaries, mine, you know, they are just a few, so I don't want to get people too excited here, but there are a few new legendaries for you to chase down. There's also a mini map, and this is a big deal because back in the day, you'd have to constantly go to the map, look where you're going, and just hope by looking at the bottom little uh, northeast, west, south indicator and then follow the trail. It was a pain in the butt. So they added the mini-map, and that's awesome. They also added the ability to mark things as junk, etc., just making cleaning up your inventory a little bit easier. And then, on top of it all, when you run over the cash and ammo, there's auto-pickup now. Instead of you, like in old days, you'd have to go click, 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 click for that and the loot and everything else. It was a hassle. Now all that's auto-pickup. You just have to go after your loot, which is the way Borderlands has been for quite some time. And then on top of it all, this remaster does include all four DLCs, so you're getting the whole package at once, you're getting the whole deal, you can't beat that, and they added in some cool new little skins, etc. for the characters, so you can kind of flare out your character a little bit, whereas previously you couldn't really do that. And of course, to top it all off, they added in shift codes where you can get golden keys to get better guns in the game, just as you could later in the pre-sequel, and of course, Borderlands 2. So, that is a ton of stuff, and if you haven't played Borderlands, I would highly recommend you go play this and then move on to 2, which was, of course, not even part of this, but it was also upgraded in the Handsome Collection, if you own that. That was upgraded 4K, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just saying, September release of Borderlands 3... They went ahead and released this remastered version of 1, and then the 2's been pretty smidgey up and smashed up. I'd recommend you go out there, get yourselves some copies of this, and play it, because it is a phenomenal game. And I can't wait to get it in my hands on all the others, which, of course, I've been playing Game of the Year Edition. For those of you who don't know it, I'm going to talk about it more on a later episode, I'm sure. Number 3
1: so next up it's another one of my favorite things. It's EDF. 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 Earth Defense Force Iron Rain dropped on the 11th of April for 60 bucks, developed by Ukes. published by D3 for PS4 exclusively as far as I can tell. What is this? Cuz you heard you heard it. I didn't say developed by Sandlot. I said developed by Ukes. So this isn't a mainline EDF series game. Well, you can tell that cuz it didn't say EDF 6. But this is like a like a I don't know what to call it. It's not a remaster, it's not a, a like an upgrade, but it's it's a different style of EDF. This EDF, you know, uses the Unreal Engine to have upgraded graphics, so the bugs look better and they got more pixels and like the scenery looks really good. Like that that actually looks really really good. But if you know EDF, what is EDF? It is a budget-looking title that's just silly fun ridiculous nonsense. And what Iron Rain seems to want to do is take that series and make it more respectable. Like it looks better. It sounds better. Graphics are better. There's like a more serious storyline, even though what, from what I've seen, like some of the English performances are still like worse than regular EDF performances. I don't know. I've only heard like one voice. They were like, Oh look, it's so cute and hammy. And I was like, that's atrocious. I can't stand that. That wouldn't even fly in regular EDF. But what is Iron Rain? What makes it different? The graphics, the story. You can create your own character. Instead of just like the color of your armor and you pick one of four suits, this one you put, you pick hair, face, outfit, everything else because you kind of wear like a little exoskeleton. Kind of like think of Edge of Tomorrow type of stuff. But you do that. It's also set in North America, which I think is really cool. This is probably why I'm going to get it, just so I can see those environments because I'm pretty sure I saw a level taking place right next to Devil's Tower. It didn't look quite like Devil's Tower really does, but it sounded amazing and looked amazing. And if that is the case, I'm going to be playing this game and playing that. But that's the other big thing. Set in North America, it's kind of a it's got its own. Like I said, more serious storyline. You like you're the last survivor of an EDF group. You go into a coma. It's seven years later. The Ravagers have come back. But also on top of the Ravagers who bring the giant monsters. if you know EDF, you got to say giant monsters. You can't say big bugs. You just can't do it. It's got to be giant monsters. Now there's also like a rogue group of humans, I think, who are like against what the EDF stands for and what they're all about. So they've got their own giant monsters and, you know, big ravager mechs and kaijus and stuff. And there are things that, that looks new about this is there are new types of enemies. Like I've seen scorpions, I've seen roaches, I've seen different styles of mechs than you see in regular EDF games. There's different kaiju, like, giant, like, weird bug alien type things. I mean, obviously they're all alien bugs, but you know what I mean. Like, they look like aliens. They don't look like ants or bees or this or that. So there's a lot of that there. They've kind of streamlined the four classes. Everyone has, like, a little bit kind of, you know, there's someone that's sort of like a wing diver, but not really. There's someone that's sort of like just the soldier, but not really. There's someone like the fencer, but not really. And then there's, like, a... Kind of like an Attack on Titan kind of person. Like you you shoot out a, a rope and you s- kind of swing around and kind of boost off. and It's kind of weird. Check out the gameplay videos if you want to see more about that. The other thing they've done is there, I think... Was this the game that they said there were three microcurrencies in? But there's in-game currencies that you use to unlock weapons, buy weapons, buy your upgrades, buy your health upgrades. You know, purchase items. Because now you can take items into battle with you, like healing items and portable turrets. So I think that's kind of cool. But the whole you know grind the levels to get more currency to buy unlocks. that's just not EDF to me. EDF is running around and you see weapon boxes all over and you grab them up, and who knows even what's in it. so I mean I, I I get it. If you're trying to put this more towards a a wider audience, they're gonna like the unlock system in here better than the regular EDF game, but to me it's just it's just not edF. I like I watch it and I get it. It looks good, it sounds good, it looks fun. But it doesn't look like EDF to me. Like, it, it is EDF, but it's not. But if you do get this game, you're going to be getting a lot of missions. Over 50 missions. So that's really, really good. Especially compared to the last time that somebody did a more westernized approach to EDF, which was Insect Armageddon, which I think had like 20 missions, which was atrocious. If you know anything about EDF, EDF's got to have like 100 missions, or at least 50. This one... More than 50. There you go. You got it. Cool things that I've seen. Oh, hey, online co-op. Did I mention that? Because I didn't. Online co-op is back, so you can play with friends. You can revive each other. You can have a lot of fun. But also, there's an online versus mode now. How the heck is that going to work in EDF, Matt? I don't even know. Well, hey, I'm going to tell you right now. Well, if you're a fan of this podcast, you're probably a fan of Third Shift. If you're a fan of Third Shift, you probably were a fan of Battleborn. Think of Face Off and Battleborn. If you don't know what that is, your team and the other team, kill giant monsters, and then you take something from the defeated monsters and try and like take it back to your base. So I don't know if it's eggs or like chitinous pieces, chitinous armor, giant monster parts. I don't know what it is, but whoever's better at killing and returning whatever that thing is, that's, that's how the versus works. You, it's not like you just shoot each other. You shoot giant monsters, collect, turn it in, that kind of thing. So that sounds kind of cool. Uh, other cool things, uh, you can ride a scorpion. One of these classes, you get like an overdrive ability with your your power armor, and you can like summon a giant monster and ride it. So if that didn't just sell you on EDF Iron Rain, you're not an EDF fan. And you need to get out of my sight, because I'm going to be riding a giant-ass scorpion all around town. You know, (sighs) Like I'm torn because it's, it's EDF but it's not EDF but then you can ride a giant scorpion I think I just sold myself you can ride a giant scorpion who cares about anything else it could be the worst game in the world it actually looks really nice Like I didn't even mention it but the mechs look really good Like they look nice and cool and sharp I wouldn't be ashamed to have that mech in my actual normal game some of the bugs look a little weird just because they're more realistic I don't like the looks of those but the mechs look fantastic you can ride a scorpion that's it I'm just going to end it there ride a scorpion
0: Number two. So here's another game that holds a place in my memory, which today, funny enough, just seems to be remastered games that hold spots in past times. But that's all right. You know what? Sometimes you gotta replay some of the older titles. Final Fantasy X and X2 HD Remaster is coming to the Nintendo Switch and Xbox One as of April 16th. This was of course published and developed by Square, and the remaster was assisted by a Chinese studio, Virtuous. So there you go, those are the guys and gals who made it, made this possible. What is it? Final Fantasy, if you don't know, is an old school RPG. Everyone's different, everyone's got its own story, but it it traditionally was a turn-based game in which you took the place of a hero, going on an adventure to save the world, da-da-da-da-da. I'm not going to explain what an RPG is. Without further ado, though, you are Titus, and you are a former blitzball player. Yes, famous blitzball player. You get tagged into this whole mess. These gods, baddies are destroying the worlds and galaxies, and you're going to be the next person to stop it all from happening. You meet some characters like Yuna and Oron and other gang members and whatever. Wallach, Waka, Waka, who knows? You know me and names. I don't remember it. And you go on this grand adventure. It is still turn-based, it is still random battles, so you don't see the enemies on screen which can be a nuisance, but that's not what we're here to discuss. The remaster itself, of course was originally done years and years ago. So it's really nice and it looks good and you can definitely tell the polish was added to it and the sh- the music was redone, so it's beautiful beautiful soundtrack. So if you loved 10 or 102 or both, this is something you're going to want to check out. If you did, however, play the remaster years and years ago on the PlayStation, uh, the PlayStation 4, do not pick this one up because it is the same one. It's just basically ported over because the Switch never had it and the Xbox One never had it. I would definitely recommend it. It was one of the last of its kind because Twelve went over to a more active battle system, whereas this was the last where you could use the wait mode and, and just take a nice turn-based slow style, which I prefer in my RPGs. And it also had a wonderful, wonderful story, even though some of the characters in there drove me up a wall. And unfortunately, Titus, man, the main character, was one of them. However, Oran was awesome, and he made up for Titus's ridiculousness. So I feel like it was kind of a nice balance. I enjoyed the summons in that one. I enjoyed the locales, the locations, the linearity of it, how it just kind of funneled you through and just, you didn't get lost in the world map because there was none. You didn't have to figure out what you were up to really. And I enjoyed that. I like being, sometimes I just like being given a story and a place to be and a place to go. So if you're new to Final Fantasy, I would say start with the old ones and work your way through. But if you happen to just have missed this one, or missed the last couple, hey, now is your chance on the Nintendo Switch. Of course, that's the one I'm going to promote to you because that's the one I care about. But it's also on Xbox One. Go get it on the Switch, play it in handheld mode at lunch, and have yourself a great time. Phenomenal story, great magic, great music, a very good title to sink your teeth into. Number
1: 1. Last but not least, we got a game that I've been watching for a long time because... I know you guys know this, but I follow a lot of indie devs on Twitter and indie publishers on Twitter. And so I saw screenshots of this game and like little motion gifs and everything of this game well before it launched. And I've been waiting for it for about, maybe, probably about a full year at least. It's Pathway, developed by Robotality, published by Chucklefish. This released for PC, Mac, and Linux on the 11th of April for only 16 bucks. If you can believe it, I can't believe it. Pathway is basically a 2D pixel art, kind of like 1930s, World War II, Indiana Jones-style adventure game, where you, you kind of make a group of adventures. I think you pick two to start with, and then throughout the course of your journey, you can recruit up to two more via story events or whatever it is. And each of these adventurers has their own like special abilities. Like I think one of them in some of the reviews I've mentioned is like a, a like a strong Russian lady, like a Russian strong woman. So if there's an event that comes up, I'll get to that in a minute, where you know you gotta move a rock out of the way. You got her on the team, you can use her strength to move the rock. Now you can explore this thing further because this game's all about like exploring through northern Africa and the like the Middle East looking for treasure and trying to stop the nazis from getting treasure and cool artifacts and things like that. So the Indiana Jones comparison is totally valid. You can totally see where that comes from. And it just has that whole art style like that deserty kind of fun adventure. Like it's hard to say like fun adventure when you're talking about nazis, but that's what the Indiana Jones movies are. Like nazis are there and they do serious things, but it's all it's all fun like an adventure serial. You got really cute pixel art on your characters. You got really detailed, really good pixel art of the environments and how do you get to those environments you might ask well i'm here to answer that for you because this game takes place across five campaign maps and those campaign maps are kind of like if you remember like the solar systems or the you know the areas in ftl where you go from node to node and have encounters on there and then maybe if you have a battle like if one of those nodes is a city you go to a top-down kind of isometric style map and do kind of XCOM style strategy RPG and, and and tactical actions you know so you you're going you know you're putting characters behind cover you're going into overwatch each character has combat abilities in addition to their story abilities really cool stuff there and what's also really cool about those campaign maps they're procedurally generated like robotality has said that there are over 400 unique events in this game so each time it generates a campaign map and like i said there's five of those you get randomly generated events so your first time through maybe you're you know you meet a bunch of great traders and you do really well and the next time through you don't because this is also a roguelike style game just like ftl was pretty much but the thing that separates it from that it's easier to unlock new abilities new progression items new things for your next playthrough because this isn't so difficult Okay, let's say you go, you go on a run, you get a bunch of new equipment, your characters level up, you get new abilities, and then you die. But you don't really die, because your characters get hospitalized when they, quote fingers, die in battle. And if you can win the battle and then camp, you can heal your characters up, and then they'll be available for you. If you lose that battle, I think your characters just go to the hospital, again in quote fingers, for the next run because they keep all of their experience and all the abilities they've unlocked and like if there's specialized equipment that they get they keep that for the next run but you can't use them right away cuz they're in the hospital. So I've seen I've seen a sheet of at least like 16 unique characters that you can go through. So maybe if, you know, your two star players went down in that last run, you switch to your B team members, go through again, and then as you're going through, everything that you keep, you know, you're kind of like driving a jeep across the map is kind of the gimmick of the game. Everything you put in your Jeep, if it's healing items or weapons or ammo or whatever, that carries over to your next run. So if you, know, if, you, if you wanted to do it, your A-team's down, your B-team's going for it, maybe you just want to bank a lot of stuff for your A-team the next run, just put it in that Jeep, and then they'll have access to it the next time, You know, once the B-team fails and go back to the A-team, once they get out of the hospital. And you can do that with the treasures you find as well which I think is really cool. So it's kind of risk-reward, but it's also, what is this run going to be? What's the point of this? Are you going to get to the end of the map in this run and get to the next one? Or is this just building up your supplies so you can make a better run next time? Because what happens with the treasures, once you get those, maybe you got a cool artifact or a treasure, you can either use it as gold or money for this run right now, like you sell it. I, I don't know if it's like you have the option of sell or bank. But you either sell it right now, make money for this run, or you can bank it and put it in like your valuables bag, and then your next people will use the money that you would have had for, for that artifact on their next run. That's what they'll start with. So that's pretty cool, and it kind of it kind of eases out the true rogue brutal. You know, you you make it in one run or you don't. It eases that that hump for a lot of players. So I think if you like roguelike games at all, you should pick this up. And if you're if you're kind of iffy on them, like I, I, I can be. Like I like Crypto the the Necrodancer, but when you do have those runs where you don't get any new unlocks and it's just, well, I kind of just wasted my time, as much fun as it was, you know, when you have a roguelike and there's progression and different levels, when you don't make it to a new one, it kind of feels like a waste of time. This helps ease that, because every run, you'll be getting new experience for those characters. You'll be getting new items you can put in the jeep or spend them right now. You'll be getting new treasures to help fuel your run, or again, bank it for later for a future run. So yeah, I think this is that ideal, like, roguelike light or roguelite. Like I don't know the exact terms, but this feels like a nice easygoing roguelike. And like I've said, the art style is fantastic. I haven't heard any of the music, but I can't imagine with art style like that, they're putting that much effort into it, there's no way they didn't put a lot of effort into the music too. So I'm betting you're gonna be hearing some sweet tunes. You're gonna be seeing some sweet pixel art like the lighting effects and like the, the motion, like when the wind goes through, like the lighting changes from day to night time, you know, day to sunset to, to night. Those have all looked fantastic, again, via Robotality's Twitter account, via Chucklefish's Twitter account. So I can't wait to get my hands on this. I, I'm sad that it's only for PC, Mac, and Linux right now. I'm really hoping for, like, a PS4 port so it's a little easier on my systems and I'm a, easier for me to just pick it up and play it. So, yeah, if any of that sounds interesting, you should definitely get Pathway. And if it doesn't sound interesting, screw it. Get Pathway anyway, because I told you to do so.
0: Imposter's Topic of the Day.
1: So what's the topic this time on IG2G? I said it before, it's the hottest thing in the world of gaming right now. It's the biggest meme in the entire world. And it goes like this. It goes, you cheated not only the game, but yourself. You didn't grow. You didn't improve. You took a shortcut and gained nothing. You experienced a hollow victory. Nothing was risked and nothing was gained. It's sad you don't know the difference. What the hell are we talking about here, Eric? What is this?
0: Accessibility versus easy versus normal versus all the modes and games and whether or not we need to adjust and or accommodate all the different types of players in all the different types of games. Mm -hmm. All right. This is a huge topic. Broad as all get out. But it, it got interesting for me when the able gamers folks and everybody stepped in and we're like mm-hmm. well wait a minute you know easy modes aren't just for people who don't want to try and play the game it's right. also a way for people with issues that limit them in playing the game normally to mm-hmm. have a chance at said game and i went oh well, that makes sense okay mm-hmm. and then of course the counter argument goes nuts and that, hey, you know, but if you add easy modes to games that were never intended to have easy modes, people are naturally going to go to the easy mode so they can beat it and then they can come running around saying they beat the game, they did all the things and, yeah. and, and have the same accolades as you who went through naturally at whatever said game is and mm-hmm. played it the hard way, the, the way that was intended to where you have to torture yourself through dying and growing and getting smarter and quicker and then right. finally beating the game many angles on this. I don't know if you want to kick it off, Matt, and then we can kind of bounce off on each other, or if you want me just to dive into uh, a broad opinion.
1: I was going to say, I got so many, there's so many angles of attack on this one. Why don't you start us All off right. and lead us down one road, and then if we split off to do some side All rails, right. then we're let's good.
0: let's start very basic here. Let's, let's, let's forget about the, the disabled or handicapped individuals first. Let's just go with mm-hmm. normal, hard, easy. Should it be in every single game... Period, hands down. Because this seems to be something that a lot of like gaming journalists or have been vying for and asking for forever is that all games have mm. an easy mode or a dream mode that allows them to just float through the game and win so they can see the story. And you're shaking. Well, I'm already shaking ready. my head. I'm shaking <laughs>
1: my head. So no, I don't. I don't. I, I would say easy, medium, and hard. or easy, normal, and hard is fine. But what I don't like is dream mode where you can just don't have to think and do anything or play it or have, have anything. But even before I say that, I would say it depends on what the game is and what kind of game it is. Because if you have something like Super Meat Boy or like the Ninja Guidance that were on, you know, the Xbox, that were just the point of it is to be difficult and for you to get better at it. And if you can't do it, you just can't do it. I mean, there'd be no point in having Super Meat Boy with a Meat Boy Wings mode. Where you can just fly him through the level. that's totally defeats the purpose of that game. There's no reason to even play that game. And I mean, I would say almost the same thing with Ninja Gaiden. Because obviously those had a story. But who even remembers what that's about? Like a, a sword that drinks blood. And I don't know, maybe you beat a bad guy at the end. Nobody really plays nin- those kind of games for the story. So having like a dream mode where like, oh, you can just see what happens at the end. A, nobody cares what happens at the end, and B, you're defeating the purpose of that entire game. So in certain, in certain aspects, I say, it's got to depend on what the game is.
0: And see, that's where it does get tricky is because I agree with you. It depends on the game for myself, but let's take a couple examples right here. We got Sekiro. This is where kind of the argument kind of flared up again at. It mm-hmm. has one mode, and it's the mode that the director wanted you to play, and he gave a whole, he had a whole interview talking about how he wanted the player to go in and struggle and to be yeah. hope, feel hopeless, but of course he wanted to give them just enough glimmer of of hope that they would keep trying. Mm-hmm. And then through figuring things out, reiterating, coming at the thing and a whole you know bosses in a whole other angle, it would allow mm-hmm. them to succeed. That was his vision for this game. All right, and he is obviously the creator. So in yeah. that sense, if his vision for that game was to struggle immensely, was to just break you down and rebuild you, the Mm -hmm. game wouldn't make any sense if you could just walk through it. Like you were saying earlier, the the game would have no meaning at that point. Because more than likely the story is okay, hem-haw, it's probably not some epic piece. I don't know, I haven't played Sikaru. I've only watched Mm -hmm. it for a couple hours. But I'm going to take a wild stab and say it's not some masterpiece of a story that's just going to put you in a dreamboat for the rest of your life. Mm. Doesn't have any crazy deep meaning. It, the The challenge of that game is in its challenge, is in the difficulty of it, and how mm. hard it is to accomplish it. And then that feeling that you get when you have beaten it, or even just beaten a boss in it, and you're like, "Yes, I, as a gamer, am awesome. I mm. have the ability to see a problem and work through it and figure out a strategy that gets me to success." That was his yeah. whole point.
1: Yeah, and I think. When you were talking, it kind of sparked in my brain like an analogy. What if you had a movie that was, you know, super symbolic and, you know, like mysterious? And maybe there was a twist at the end that explained a little bit of it, but it didn't explain the whole movie. And it's, you know, the director made it this way. But then they went, okay, here, hand it out to the public. And the studio went, they don't understand it. You have to put explanations in the whole way through. When a character comes on screen, it has to say, this is Billy. He's going to be an important character you should pay attention to, blah, 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 blah. I feel like that's, you know, when you're talking about directorial vision, that's where it puts me. Like, if that happened in a movie, I would be revolted by it. Like, I hate I hate those lines in movies. Here's what's happening, blah, blah, blah. So, like, he meant it to be this way. The director of Sekiro meant it to be this way. And then... I don't know. I kind of went off the rails there, but I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, no, I if it's supposed to be this way, having other people say, "Well, you got to put this in and you got to put that in, you got to make sure everybody can understand it and make it through it," that's where the problem lies for me. I think.
0: Yeah, I get it. So the game and movie that you were describing it would lose its meaning at that point. What it is fundamentally would no longer be what it is. Because everything's yeah. being handed to you, everything's being given away. The meaning and the strength and, and, and what it was supposed to be doesn't come through any longer. And at that point, mm-hmm. in fact, I would say it turns it into the opposite of what it would have been. An awesome game yeah. or an awesome movie. Now everyone's going to go, oh, it's garbage. You know, Kind of a crappy story. I beat it in like four hours. Well, whoop-de-doo. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Move on to the next game. Now what could have been a masterpiece is just an average hum-ho game that people knocked out and walked away from.
1: Because it's not just the game itself, but it's the way it affects you, like your own person, in the movie, thinking about it, understanding the symbology of it, or getting better and improving yourself and your skills. It's not, cause it's like the game and its effect on you is all totally gone now.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's my issue with changing something that the, the director whomever intended something to be. And mm. everyone loves to bring up, like, Celeste, for example, in the other side of that camp, where Celeste mm. very difficult game, but you can turn it into dream mode where you just float across and you basically don't mm. do anything but get to the next story point. In that case, though, I would argue that, yes, the point of the game is the challenge... Mm -hmm. but they added in a really cool little story narrative about depression, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, confidence and all these other other emotions and anxiety and issues that you deal with in life. And then, of course, the meaning behind it was all, you know, it was really cool. I I appreciate it and I really liked it. And I can see how people who aren't naturally inclined to play those types of games really wanted to get into that story and see what Mm -hmm. that was about. So by them including the dream mode they were in allowing people who would not have ever touched a freaking crazy difficult platforming game to get in there do it and see the story.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where the that's where one of my I don't really like easy modes arguments breaks down is if it is something with a good story or at least a an emotionally affecting story or a story, you know, like about something like anxiety or depression that could actually help someone then I totally understand people saying, well, we want to put the easy mode or the dream mode in so the most people possible can experience this. Like that, I totally get. If you get really anxious or depressed about certain things, maybe that translates to your game playing. So playing through something really hard is not going to be kosher with you. But for somebody like that who the story could really help out, it totally makes sense to have that mode in there because you can play through it for the story, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Uh So you get both sides to it, and and what I like about those two arguments and those two examples is that it boils down to the same thing. It boils down to letting the director or the team making that game decide what they think their game is and what they want it to be, and then allow them to build accordingly. Celeste's team yeah. knew that they had a great story and a great message they wanted to put out there. They also understood that they did want to make a very challenging game for those that were interested, but wanted to make sure everyone that could or couldn't do that at least be able to experience the story. And they did exactly that. The director of Sekiro said, I want this to be for individuals who have the, the gumption and the dedication and the time to put into this to get the full story, to get the full measure of what I'm making and building here. Mm. And these types of games, anyway, are also known for being extremely difficult. It wouldn't even be that yeah. type of the game if he had not done so and made it mm. went and made it difficult. I understand that there are disabled gamers, and I'm going to bring this kind of bring this one in here though now at this point, mm. and that there are disabled gamers who have that dedication, who do have that drive, but due to limitations, cannot pull off some of the moves, some of the things necessary to accomplish to beat the game to to move and do what's necessary and that mm. that's unfortunate and that's like to me a whole nother topic a whole nother not topic but it's a whole nother discussion because they do deserve to be able to play the game you know it sucks oh, yeah. because of their limitations they can't but they deserve to and i don't think that's wholly up to the game director to make it possible for them to play i think some mm. of the limitations that they face like controllers stuff like that that's on you know Xbox Nintendo PlayStation right more than anybody but the only thing i say maybe game directors could be more mindful of is when they're making the games make sure that when they're building like boss fights or uh, traversal just keep in mind what controllers what items accessories are available to disabled mm. gamers and how that might slow them up a touch or hinder them in some way and it's a tough. It's a really tough one because that's so many factors and so many things. But I don't know. You got a you got an idea for like differentiating people who just want to walk through a game versus people who actually really do want the challenge, but unfortunately, due to restrictions, can't.
1: I think that's where kind of the conversation gets really murky because on both hands, I've seen lots of tweets from developers on this topic, and on both hands, they use the words accessibility. And for me, it's two, like, those are two different levels. Uh-huh. Like somebody who, like we said with Celeste, you know, would benefit from it, but doesn't have the skills to do it versus somebody who has to, you know, either physically doesn't have the ability to get the timing or whatever, or has to use side peripherals plugged into like the, the adaptive controller for Microsoft. So maybe it's a foot pedal, maybe it's a, a rocker on the knee or whatever it is or anything like that. And I don't. I don't know how you could design a game with that in mind without designing a game specifically for that type of individual or that type of issue. Like, I feel like something like, you know, we've talked about that adaptive controller before, and it lets you use anything as kind of an input, basically, as all the USB inputs to it. But being able to know what ones would translate effectively to your game, I think is, you'd have to build, like, totally around that and it's i mean i've heard good stuff about that controller that it works really well and you know you can adapt it to whatever you need but i feel like from a game dev perspective obviously i have no experience with that but i would think that that would that would take way too much time and effort to try and build the timing of every little thing into the possible timings of of every piece of peripheral yeah and
0: that's that's i think that's ultimately what it comes down to is I think a lot of individuals are hiding, wanting easy modes just so they can get through games quickly and not have to try under mm-hmm. the accessibility issue. I think a lot of individuals right. are going, well, it's not for just easy mode, it's for accessibility. You know, So I want to I make sure everyone does understand my stance is I don't believe in easy mm-hmm. modes for the sake of easy modes. I think if the director of the game should build the game they wanna make, whether it's difficult, easy, whatever they feel is the best, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And if I'm too stupid or slow to play it, that's my own problem. I guess I'm not getting that game or I did and tried and failed and I'm reselling the game. It's it's not for me. So I wanna make sure I'm clear on that part. The disabled part is the more difficult I'd love for individuals with issues to build a play because you know who knows maybe tomorrow I'm gonna be in that boat. You know, I could go out on the road today, get in a terrible car accident. and next thing you know, here I am, wishing I could play more games and in a position that it's difficult. But at the same mm-hmm. time, as I am with everything in life, you can't have people build everything around the minority or the one, because then it, it alters the image on everything. And now nothing mm-hmm. is as it should have been or would have been. All they can do, in my opinion, is adjust the best they can, and like... I know Ubisoft had a bunch of gamers who had uh, difficulties in different ways. Come in and like, kind of, they ask questions like, "What do you, What do you think would be helpful that we added? Do to this to this for like blind individuals or nearly blind individuals? Mm-hmm. You know that that's something I think should happen all the time. Way more. Hey, you know we're building this game. Here's what we're looking to do. What are some of the issues that you face when you play this game or this type of game? And if mm-hmm. we can work something in, that would help you. Cool. But yeah. unfortunately, I think at the end of the day, that's as far as it can go. Because some mm-hmm. some camps want there to always be a, a, a disabled mode or something like that. But that would ultimately mean you float through or, you know, something that makes it extremely easy. And then you're going to get all the individuals who want to just easy w- mode through it. They're going to pick that mode and do that. And, of course, I guess you would say at the end of the day, what's the what's the harm in it? It's just a game. Who cares if they easy mode and float through? You didn't. Mm-hmm. You did it the the challenging way or the way I intended. But, of course, I'm being the gamer I am, I'm like, no, it does yeah. matter. You know, I don't want Joe to say, oh, I beat it in half an hour. Oh, 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 oh. It was an okay game. No, it was a fantastic game. You didn't understand it. You just floated through in a half hour and said you beat it and walked away. Yeah, well, there he is writing his review. Walls, easy game, easy, whatevs. Moving on. No. Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that competitive side of me does agree that I don't really like that easy mode can just blast people through a tough game when I've played it on normal or hard or you know if I'm a really master, you know, I go through it on the expert difficulty to try it to try and conquer it completely. But at the same time, I think when we were talking about, you know, directors' visions for the game and, you know, development studios and how they're thinking about doing it, I think it's important to know that if they feel like putting that mode in the game, then, then it's okay. That that that's totally cool. I think the only issue I would have is if, you know, they made a difficult game and then somebody said, again, kinda dialing back to the movie example, you have to have an easy mode because people won't make it through this game. Well, my vision is for this difficult game. Well, no, you have to have an easy mode. So I don't I don't think easy modes are bad per se. I mean, I've played through a couple games on easy just because, you know, I played through it halfway years ago and I went back and I just want to finish uh-huh. it, so I put it on easy and blast through it again, see all the story, see all the moments. But it's not like my default. Obviously, I play through it on normal or whatever, you know, when it, the difficulty screen comes up, if it says hard and it says this is the way it was intended, well, then I start playing it on hard. And if it's too hard, I drop it to normal and then I get through it cuz You just don't need easy modes in games. But I feel like if the studio put it in there and they went, you know, this is a valid way of doing it, then I don't see any real harm in it. But I agree, again, that competitive side of me doesn't want people to just play through on easy mode and then say, oh, yeah, I beat it. It was a piece of cake. No problems. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, did you beat the secret boss? Did you do the thing? How'd you beat that boss? Was it cool? I just ran up and hit the attack button. Oh, it's because you played on easy.
0: And see, and that, and it's funny because once again, this is a huge, broad subject, and it drives me nuts because we're kind of venturing into a whole other discussion, really, which is should reviewers and journalists mm-hmm. be allowed to play these games on easy mode and report on them? Obviously, they can play on easy mode all they want. You know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. My issue yeah. always comes in that they review or talk about said game only having played it on one mode, and then you're like, mm-hmm. well, you don't, you know. Honestly, you don't really know the game as intended. You know, sure. And like I said, the director did put in easy mode, but typically we Mm. all know that they built the game through normal and then, you know, up the HP or whatever, added a mechanic for hard mode, and Mm. then for easy mode, took away HP, dropped mechanics, there you go. I I agree it's going to start spiraling spiraling into the game review thing,
1: (laughs) but... I know we've had this discussion off-air a bunch of times where you read a review and they say, oh, it was a cakewalk. I didn't have any problems with it. And then they only say they played it on easy mode on some podcast way off to the side that they did with their buddy that wasn't in the actual review, the actual thing that said, hey, I had no problems. You should say, I had no problems, big brackets, playing on easy mode. Yeah, again, I don't... (laughs) I don't begrudge easy modes just on their own, but... If, if the developer says they want you to play it this way, then just know that that's the main way to play it, I guess. I don't, I don't want to come off like that douchebag gamer to so play it the real way. Mm-hmm. And if you play it on easy... Because I would never say if you play it on easy, you're chump. No. I would never say that, which is what... you want to
0: play games, period. Yeah, which, which I
1: kind of think is what the whole meme thing is about. It's like, oh, you you screwed yourself and you ruined it and you're a bad person. I would never say that. But I would also say, just again, that competitive side of me. Don't say you beat it and I couldn't when I was playing on hard and you were playing on mm-hmm. easy. You know?
0: Yeah, because it's it's not apples to apples. You're talking orange and apples now, right. pears and apples, et cetera. But of mm. course, we are kind of venturing off into a side there, but bringing it back <laughs> and summoning it, kind of up, rounding it all out. My my stance as a gamer, as a third shift representative is that oh, whatever, <laughs> whatever the director wants, whatever the team wants for their game, whether it be mm. normal, hard, easy, adding all those in, not adding all those in, I think that's their choice. And what yeah. they want and what their vision is, I think they should go out and fulfill it to the best of their abilities because that's the mm. game that's going to come out and be the best it can be. Not a game yeah. that has forced this, forced that, made to do this, made to do that. You start to damage the integrity of it all, and then you get a less than you know, superb product at the end of the day. Should they attempt to make ways that disabled gamers can play? Sure. Like I said, yeah. go out and talk and ask you know, other developers or individuals what they've done. Things that they've tried to do to make it easier. A mode that allows disabled gamers to play. Or functionality within the game that they can turn on in the options. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Fine, awesome, cool. Definitely for it. But at the end of the day... If they want their game to be harder than all nails, and that's the way they want it, that's their, That's their game, it's their decision. Yeah. Does that mean they lose sales to disabled gamers or gamers who have no patience for trying a hard game or playing a hard game? Yes, but they understand that, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no problem with that. You know, do I like do I like those stupid little funny foo foo cars that come out all the time? I don't. But they know I don't. They know I want a big, stupid truck because I'm an idiot who loves to pay for gas. Guess what? They know they lost the sale on me, but the car's fine, and the truck is fine. It's the same thing in games. There's a variety of stuff out there, and some of it's not going to be for everybody, and that's okay. We don't have to force it.
1: And I think especially in this day and age, A, there's so much information out there. If you had no idea what Sekiro was or what, that studio, what the development studio is from software, if you had no idea what kind of games they make, Google, it'll tell you, they make hard games. They make really, really hard games. Really, 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 really hard games. Okay, well, it's not like it's hidden. It's not like people are going, oh, Sekiro's a great game. What is it? Let me buy it. Oh, crap, it's a hard game. Like You know what kind of games people make, or you can find that out really easy and so if that's your niche like same thing with roguelike games I I love them but sometimes I don't have the patience to get through them all the way and I know that and it's fine so when I get one and I play it and I get three, four, five, six hours out of it if it's like an indie level one like FTL or Crypt of the Necrodancer I I know I'm never going to beat it but I don't need the easy mode to be able to get through it to just say that I beat it like I know that that's that's what comes with that genre like Again, with From Software. That's what comes from their games. And I'm okay with that. I don't need there to be like modes or cheats or stuff forced into those. I'm okay with experiencing it and maybe never finishing it or, you know, knocking my head against that wall a few times and then going, okay, it's not for me. I can't spend my time on
0: it. Mm-hmm.
1: But at the same time, when there are those developers that have that wide range of difficulty spectrums and they're this, it could it could spin off into another discussion but we don't have to do it and when those modes are done right and it's still entertaining i have no i have no problem with that that spectrum of difficulty modes cuz i've said it before i've beaten games on easy i beat through i mean i played witcher 3 most of the way through on easy got through all the dlc's same thing still had you know tense moments still enjoyed the story still everything i just didn't have the time to sit there and plan every single fight, and that's fine. They put that mode in there so you didn't have to do all of that stuff, and I got through it. So I don't, I don't know. Overall, I've, I've said it a million times. If the, if the developer wants to do it, however the developer wants to release their game, it's fine. If they want it to be super hard, cool. You, I don't think you have to force in cheats or easy modes for people to be able to get through it. But if you want to release a big spectrum and have the dream mode and the easy mode and normal hard and then, you know, headbreaker mode, that's totally fine, too.
0: I agree. And I think a lot of games already incorporate easy modes into it. So it's not like there's not a ton of games already out there with a mode that's way easier to get through and play through available to those Mm. who need it or want it. And there's a few games that don't, and that's fine as well. Going forward, I would say the only thing that should have come from any of this really is that, hey, studios, there are a lot of disabled gamers. They're out there. You know, Make sure yeah. you understand that they're there. Try to accommodate in options, etc., if you can, and that's that. It's really quite simple. Mm-hmm. And for those who just want easy modes, all games aren't for everybody. If you're not exactly. a gamer who loves that challenge, don't try to water down a game just so you can get it to the point where you can play it. You know what? If it's mm-hmm. too hard for you and you know you don't like it, I played Demon Souls. I played it on normal, and I beat it because I was stubborn and mm-hmm. angry about it. And then I said, I'm never playing one of these types of games again. And I never have because it was too frustrating. It was too much. I just don't like it being forced in the easy mode port. I want disabled individuals to be recognized and known out there in the world. So that way the games can slowly turn around and get better and more accessible to them. Mm -hmm. And as for the, I know it was kind of a different topic, but as for the journalists, the reviewers and all those guys and gals out there, I would say, Mm -hmm. make sure you're, you know, if if a game like Sekiro comes through, make sure you have an employee who's capable of playing that type of game, that type of genre, you know, and mm-hmm. beating it in normal mode or whatever mode's intended. So that way, when you push your push up your review, do whatever, it's the honest, meant to play way that it was done. And then, of course, if you're just like sloppy Joe man on the podcast over here, and he wants to play it on easy mode, that's perfectly fine. But like, yeah, no, I man, I, I'm not about that life. I played the easy mode, beat it. Cool, you just said you played on easy mode. Now, whenever opinions you're giving, understandably, I know he did it on easy, so maybe he doesn't know. Like Castlevania, the 8-bit one, if you play it on mm-hmm. easy mode, they don't have the Medusa heads that move in it. Oh, yeah, So, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I just climbed the tower, no problem. The game was stupid easy. And you're like, oh, you didn't see Where was those Medusa heads? Oh, there were no Medusa heads. They weren't there. And I go, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You played on easy mode. What? Yeah, there's none of that there. You just float through the level. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's fun. You got the story. You got to see the cool different levels in the music and everything. But you didn't get that part. Oh, man, I just thought it was pretty easy. Yeah, well, you played on easy mode. It was easy. There you go. I didn't. I played on normal. I know that these other things exist. We can both have our Mm. story, but I got a little bit more out of it because I did it on a different level.
1: We've taken it into the journalistic spin. The one one last thing I'll say, and I won't turn this into a conversation, But I do have to say it, I know a lot of the, you know, there should be an easy mode because we don't have enough time to get through these big games, so there has to be an easy mode. Well, therein lies the problem with the game's journalism whole sphere, because if your deadline is like four days out from the release date and you didn't get an advanced copy and you have to put it on easy mode to get the deadline, that's a problem with the company and the deadline schedule and Uh all this other stuff which I totally understand, but that's a different topic of conversation. But I agree that if a published piece says, this game, here's my experience with this game, you also have to say that you experienced it via easy mode or hard mode or normal mode. Because I know that there are a couple websites that say that, you know. It'll be on the very bottom, like, hey, you know, I played through it, got through it in 18 and a half hours on normal difficulty using this setup or something like that. And I like stuff like oh, that, that because that gives you depending on your mindset validates or invalidates everything that you just read. Or it, it at least gives you a new perspective on it. Okay, he said it was really balls hard, but he was playing on hard mode and says that there's normal and easy modes too. So maybe I will like uh-huh. this. Or if he says it's oh it was stupid dumb easy, I didn't have a problem with it, 6 out of 10, but then it says he played through it in 2 hours on easy mode. I understand. You have to, you have to say that. Oh, and and yeah.
0: none of those things invalidates the review, you know, in my opinion. If you, you played right. it on easy mode and you stated that the music was beautiful, the landscapes were wonderful, this and that, I can appreciate that and I can take, you know, especially if it's a reviewer or somebody I trust, I can say, all right, well, he's he or she is talking about these points that I like. And then if I say, oh, they did it on easy, at that point, though, if they say that they had an easy time or that the boss bosses seem uninspired or whatever then I can go, wait a minute, eh, you know, you might not actually know what that boss is supposed to be because they probably don't have half the mechanics that they would normally have, so.
1: <laughs> it's going crazy. Whole discussion it's too much, like, man. octopus web. <laughs> La- last thing I'll say is I don't mind reviews in general because it's just your impression of a game. Like, if you say, I really enjoyed it, and I played it on easy mode, totally cool. I really enjoyed it, and I played it on hard mode, or it was too damn hard, I played it on hard mode, and it was too much. Fine, but I think my only issue there would come into if it was something like, you know, okay, I played through Sekiro on easy mode. I said, I don't get the point. It's too easy. It doesn't say easy mode, and then I say 5 out of 10 for that. If I drop my score for it, I don't believe in review scores anyway, but if that comes into the whole easy, hard discussion, and you're grading the game based on the way that you played it, you're grading it, and people are reading it and going, pfft, it's just 6 out of 10. Blah. Lame then there's a real, 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 real problem. So
0: I... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was, was going to say, like it's too much. It's too big. It's too crazy. Maybe we can throw something in another day on just that topic alone because it's mm. going bananas. Would, yeah. We'll cut it off there and we'll just state that I think we <laughs> basically agree on the subject and that the director, the team, the developer, they decide if they want normal, hard, easy modes. They decide whether mm. they want to put in accessibility things for disabled gamers. And I will just end yep. it with saying that I think both of us agree that they should at least look at it for the disabled gamers and have options oh, that yeah. make it easier or at least somewhat easier for them to play. But at the end of the day, don't give up your vision for your game regardless.
1: And I think that's where I wouldn't say easier. I would say more accessible because uh-huh. I think that's where accessibility, the actual term, yes, that's actual the only accessible. place that should come in with actual, you know, disabled gamers and stuff. And I know I didn't say much about that throughout this, but I don't have any frame of reference, so I don't want to sound like a total goof when I talk about disabled gamers, because I don't know, I don't know any, I don't have any experience with it. But I would say, yes, 100% developers should be looking more into that because...
0: It's always been there. It's just I think we're becoming more aware that their individuals are there and are playing games and want to continue to play games.
1: And technology is advancing to the point where you can make all these kind of modifications to setups or systems or not even necessarily in the game, but literal hardware. We can build that for them now. So they should be taken more into consideration than they have been in the past, I guess is what I should say.
0: So help out disabled gamers, but everybody just hiding behind that for an easy mode. Get out. Get out of here. Go play the games that mm-hmm. the directors and the teams gave you easy modes on, and that's, that's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, ha, done. We did it, Matt. Sort of somehow we, <laughs> we had a conversation. <laughs> so,
1: so I think that finally wraps up all, this, all these little spider tendrils that have gone this way and that way and this way on that discussion. It's time to wrap it up.
0: Imposters Wrap Up.
1: So what do you guys think about easy modes? Are you cheating the game and yourself? What do you think about that? What do you think about the whole topic? Any of the 18 different topics we talked about in this one topic, let us know via email info at thirdshift.me. Tweet it at us at thirdshiftme, or find us on Facebook under Third Shift.
0: Indeed. You can find us over there. You can also find us over on Patreon. If you like what you hear, you like what we're doing, make you smile please consider heading over that way giving us a dollar two dollars five dollars anything is appreciated we treat it just like a tip jar if you cannot donate a couple bucks to us that's fine you can also follow us on twitch twitter facebook all those different places go check out our website maybe maybe even leave some mailbag questions for us or uh, any kind of opinions or the five star on those itunes it really helps us bumps us all the way up i've told you guys a million stories in fact we've been Man, we haven't told a good iTunes story in a long time, man. Five-star story might have to come back one of these days. Only time will tell you. Better keep
1: tuning in, though, if you want to see it happen. I was just thinking about five-star stories. I'm going to drive into work the other day. It's about time for a new one. But until that time, you of course can catch this podcast every two weeks on Tuesday, because we'll be back in your ear holes on the 30th of April for our very next episode. You can find that episode on iTunes on Stitcher, on Podbean, on Spotify, and on YouTube. And as I always say, if you like what we're doing, you'd like to help us out, please give us a like, a rating, a review, a comment, a subscription, any kind of good thing on any one of those good services. And do follow us on Twitch. Head on over to twitch.tv slash thirdshiftme and watch me get confused by sexy robots. That's going to be the plug until I'm done with Niratama to catch me getting confused by sexy robots. It'll be a fun time. So for Raji2Gi, I'm Matt, he's Eric. Danny's on the edit making us look good. There's nothing else to say but
0: Don't, don't forget to forget save. To save.